We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hour number three of Sports Talk Saturday, starting a little later, no surprise, here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson here with you, filling in for Nate Geary this week. Nate has the week off, and he will be joining us again next Saturday. Appreciate everybody tuning in to today's show, interacting with us as the Sabres wrap up the 2020-21 regular season this afternoon in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. We'll have the face-off here at 3 o'clock with Rick Jenner and Rob Ray on the call. We'll have the Paul William Belts pregame show coming up at the top of this hour at 2 o'clock with Brian Koziel. He'll be joined by Pat Malacaro, Paul Hamilton, and Dan Dunleavy for a special roundtable pregame show, and they'll get their final thoughts on the season on how things have played out for the Sabres throughout this season. Brian will join us at 140 coming up here on WGR. Quick note from the Bills, actually, as, uh, well, I mean, I'm surprised this didn't happen much earlier to some of their front office staff, but Dan Morgan becomes the first player from the Bills front office staff to move on to another organization as he rejoins the Carolina Panthers as the team announced that they have hired Dan Morgan as their new assistant general manager. Dan Morgan, I believe, I'm just looking this up real quick to double-check and confirm that he was the director of player personnel. Yes, he was the Bills director of player personnel. He now moves on to the Carolina Panthers and becomes their assistant general manager. That was a report from Ian Rappaport earlier this week, I believe Monday, that the Panthers requested permission to talk with Dan Morgan. And as of today, the Panthers officially announced that Dan Morgan is joining the organization as their new assistant general manager. Sal Capaccio is going to have details of this story coming up here shortly, available at WGR550.com. Actually, just up right now. Just posted. Sal's got it up there. All updated. Sales got you covered. Go sh- be sure to check that out. Also, follow Sale on Twitter if you don't. I don't know why you don't follow, follow Sale on Twitter. At Sale Sports is the Twitter handle. And you can follow us on Twitter as well. At BJ Wilson WGR is my Twitter handle. And at WGR is the station's Corey. He's uh, he's on hiatus right now with Twitter. So um, 
Sorry, get you, can't follow, here. you can't follow Corey on Twitter right now. Maybe in a few months he'll Stop come back. Stop following me, you creeps. Maybe maybe he'll come back in a few months. Just, just give him time. All right, Corey. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we get to our simulation of the uh, expansion draft here, I do want to bring up a, a couple of things. We had a caller on, Dominic, who called just before we had Dan Rosen from NHL.com on, and he brought up a few things in his discussion that he had on the air. Right. First off, he said that uh, he didn't think Granado did enough in his time and that the Sabres do need to go get another coach. Uh, I don't remember who exactly. Oh, he mentioned Bruce Boudreaux. Yep. And my personal thought is on Bruce Boudreaux, he's just another one of those coaches that, sure, he'll get your team to the playoffs. Sure, he'll do just enough to help your team be in contention for quite a while, but he hasn't had enough of a playoff like presence, I believe, in order to kind of give everybody the firm belief that, oh, hey, this guy can actually have a successful run in the playoffs. He's only gotten to the Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals once, and I think that was in his tenure with Anaheim. And other than that, I I just don't know if Bruce Boudreaux is the right guy for me in terms of bringing in here to help turn the the culture around of the Sabres going forward, and and not just for three years or for four years or whatever, but I'm talking about long-term here. I I want a guy that comes in and can immediately turn the culture around and not only – and and I I don't want to compare Sean McDermott here to the Sabres because football and hockey are two totally different sports and they're coached totally different ways, but I almost kind of want a guy that – I can look at it as being more than just a two or three year option at this point, and and more than a four year option at this point. I want a guy that could be here possibly long term, and whether that is a younger guy like a Nate Lehman from Providence, or I don't know a Chris Knobloch from Hartford in the, in the American Hockey League, or some, one of these younger guys, or whether it is some of these. Uh, veteran coaches like a John Tortorella who's going to be a free agent this year or Bruce Boudreaux, Gerard Gallant. I want a guy that is going to be looked at as more of a, a long-term solution than a guy who's just another two, three-year guy Then you're moving on from him because he's a free agent or he gets fired. I, I just want some sort of sustainability with the coaching position that hasn't been here since Lindy Ruff was here. And, and arguably with the Lindy Ruff tenure, there's a lot of people that say, well, he probably should have been fired much sooner than he actually was. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I'll take another guy at this point that lasts 13 years as the head coach here in Buffalo and has sustained success for several years, or at least has the team contending for the playoffs for several years, which Lindy Ruff did. Yeah. I mean, the thing about coaches in the NHL specifically is that, um, if, if I were to ask somebody, explain to me precisely what. Bruce Boudreaux does that's different than, say, Joel Quinville. Yeah. I think a lot of people wouldn't be able to answer the question. Yeah. They simply like, well, he's a guy and his team has won, and I guess that's good. But, like, how does specifically what's his strategy? How mm-hmm. does he deal with his players? So much of what makes a hockey coach a coach happens behind closed doors, like how they interact with players, how they educate players on the system they want to play, and then how that play is executed inside the game. That it's nearly impossible for me to make a judgment on whether Granado is definitely better than Boudreaux or what have you. Right. I mean, I have very little evidence of that. It's almost like I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to measure some an object I can't see. It's almost like trying to measure a black hole. So I don't, I don't really have an opinion. My, yeah, go ahead. Keep Granada. What do I care? As you know, hockey coaches basically grow in the Great Plains of Canada. You might as well just grab one, see if it works, and if it doesn't, just go grab another one. Right. Now that doesn't work out for the coach because that means that you know, or the Sabers, because if you keep 
finding guys you don't like, you have to keep paying them. So, and I believe that uh, Pagula Sports and Entertainment would prefer to not pay people again for not working for them. Uh, so I I don't know what to do here. Go ahead, keep Granado. Let's find out why not. I mean, is he as good as Bruce Pedro? I don't have any evidence to know that. And honestly, maybe the Sabers don't. Their hockey department is still being put back together. So how hmm. many of the people inside that building would know enough to understand? Is Boudreaux good at his job or right. is Granado good at his job? Yeah. So just all right, stick with what you got. What's the worst that could happen? You lose 18 in a row? <laughs> I mean. What are you going to do, finish last again? It, it is just so difficult with this whole coaching scenario. And I like what Don Granado has done. And I guess the message I've just been trying to convey this whole time is, sure, like the, the young players have turned around their game and – uh, they're playing well under Granado, but I just don't know how that's going to translate from being a season where he comes in, becomes the interim head coach, where it is a lost season. Again, you're not making the playoffs, or at that point, they pretty much knew that playoffs were a long stretch option for them. They would have to go on an insane winning streak in order to get there, and that obviously wasn't going to happen. But how is that going to translate from being in a situation where you're just trying to improve and develop to, okay, start of the season, you haven't made the playoffs in 10 years, we need to win now. Yeah, We need I, to go out there and we need to compete and contend and continue to contend for those years. Is Don Granado going to be able to transition that way? I don't know. Can he? I would like to think so. And, and, and Dan Rosen brought up the point where it's just like, he's been in hockey for several years. He's been a guy that's been around the game and, you know, it's it's the Granado family. Right. The Granado family is one of the more famous family names in all of hockey. You got it your matter. Sutters. Yeah. You got your Granados. Yep. You got your uh those two guys. Anybody with the la- <laughs> anybody with Chuck in their last name probably. <laughs> um but I I don't know. Like if you're going to tell me like no, you can't pass up on an opportunity like Bruce Pedrell mm-hmm. or John Torrell. Well, plenty of people have. Like these, they, they, these guys, they haven't stayed with teams for 13 years. Right. Like they get, you know, they they get their three or four years. They get axed when the team starts to collapse, and then they're replaced. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And like Tortorella is probably going to be sent out of Columbus on a Saturn V rocket. Like there, nobody wants to talk to him there anymore. Why would I want to bring that into a team where like everybody's already on edge and anxious? John Tortorella seems like the exact opposite of the person I want to do crisis counseling with my hockey team, right? Like, do I want to bring in the guy who's going to walk up to Rasmus Stalin and say, "You're not even a man or a human being. Get out of my sight." Right? Like, is that the kind of coach I want? Because that's who he is. So I, the all I, and but I, at least Tortorella makes that public. So I can see it, right? Like that, there, nobody is hidden from the fact of John Tortorella's personality or how his players react to him because it's extremely out in the open. That's not true of every hockey coach, right? Like we didn't know what the relationship was between Mike Babcock and uh, Mike Babcock and his players until all of a sudden there were written reports about how bad coaching was in the NHL about a year ago from it that was hidden from our faces because it happened in the locker room. That happens with personalities. It happens with skill sets. If you have a guy like Granado, who is open with you, who is honest with you, who seems to tell you what he thinks and communicates clearly with his players, that's enough for me to give him a chance. Because mm-hmm. the tactics, everything else, well, we'll make it up. Hockey's a made-up sport anyway. So like, <laughs> worry about how your coach can get your players to perform to the level they're supposed to. And even in the short amount of time Granado's been here, he's done it. 
So, like, okay, ride it. Go. Like, why screw that up? Just go ahead and give Granado the chance, and we'll see what happens. Right. And the final thing that was brought up from this Dominic caller was that he wants to trade Jack Eichel because Eichel is, quote-unquote, a one-trick pony. See, that's tough because wasn't Eichel with basically a broken rib or whatever happened to his midsection and a busted neck like borderline a Selkie trophy candidate. Yeah. Like he, he couldn't Under Ralph Kruger at least. Right. Like he couldn't <laughs> score. And Ralph Kruger was telling him, Hey, like, hey, why, Sadly don't, enough. why don't you do something that we don't need you to do? Why don't you try playing defense all the time? Mm-hmm. Because you're our best offensive player. So clearly we want you to play defense all the time. Yeah. I'm Ralph Kruger. So, and he does it and he does it well. Yeah. Like, like as bad as a year as it has been for Eichel, he has shown, at least to me, like, he has alternate paths to how good of his game is, right? Like, how good of a player he is, because he can do the things away from the puck, on the ice, that really makes you a complete player in the yep. NHL. Should the Sabres trade him? Yeah, maybe. Like, other teams have traded their, traded their best players and survived. Like, it, it, it doesn't have to mean the end of the world if you trade Jack Eichel. And I don't know what his mental or emotional state is with the mm-hmm. team. Is he in? Is, does he want to do it? Is he into it? Yeah, you know, I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen sounds like he just fought World War One. Like he's he's suffering from hockey shell shock. He wants to leave. It's clear he wants to leave and try something else. So we should do that with him. I don't know where Eichel is with that. I believe that if Eichel's here, he's going to try to win. He's a psychopathic competitor, mm-hmm. which is good to have. I mean. Do you want to have Jack Eichel on the team? Do you want Do you want him here? Do you want to have everything flow through Jack, which is often how it has felt on this team? Yeah. The, the funny thing about this past month and a half is that for the first time in however long, you feel like you have more than one center on the hockey team. And it doesn't involve Eichel at all. It's Reinhardt, it's Middlestat, it's uh, Cousins, and suddenly you feel like, we've, are we deep at center? What? <laughs> so like when Eichel comes back... He doesn't have to be the show. Yeah. Like, you can roll two or three lines instead of constantly shoving Eichel yeah. out onto the ice. My my stance on Jack Eichel, and I've, I've already said it on the show, I'm going to say it on the show, I'm going to say it in the mornings until my face turns numb. I'm not trading Jack Eichel unless he literally goes to management and says, I want out. Or right. goes to ownership and says, I'm done. Sure. I just want a fresh start. Get me the H out of Dodge. Yeah. And if he does that, you do not need to willingly trade Jack Eichel just for the hell of it. You don't need to do that. No. If if you're trading him, it is only because he wants out and you elect to give him that, wish him, you know, grant him that wish and you find another team. And you, you have to pick the right team, obviously. I don't want to trade him in the division, in the conference for that matter. If the Kings want to bring him on, you go out and you get a King's ransom, pun intended, for him. If you trade him to the Ducks, you go get a King's ransom from the Ducks for him. It was Renault Lavoie, I think, that said that the Sabres are asking for four first-round assets. That's where you start yeah, that's a with starting a Jack point. Sure. trade. You yeah. do not settle for that. You start with that, and mm-hmm. then you look to add from there. If you have to add other pieces to sweeten the deal, a little bit maybe it's another player maybe it's a, a pick or something like that by all means if that happens to be the case the asset the goal is you start with the four first round assets and i mean i'll just give my thoughts here before we have to break but if you're trading with the kings your number one asset you're getting back in that trade is quinton byfield if you're trading with the ducks the number one asset you're getting back in that trade is trevor zegras other than that you, you just again 
don't trade Jack Eichel unless he asks for the out. 803-0551-888-552-550 to join us. We'll step aside and break. When we come back, Corey and I will go through the expansion draft, who the Sabres should look to protect, how they should try to finagle their situation there. And then we'll bring on Brian Koziel and get his thoughts on the whole situation with the Sabres and, and get a recap from him on how this season has played out in Buffalo. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary today. Nate will be back next week, and you're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Coach's Corner theme. Sports Talk Saturday here, WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson, Corey Griswold here. It's time to go through some expansion draft simulation here, Corey. And Can not, you handle it? We're, we're not going to go through all 31 or 30 teams, I should nope, say, in the we're NHL. we're doing it. All 30 oh, teams. All, all of them. All we, 31 we teams. Might, we might be here well into the Sabres game doing this then. But no sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> we're going to do the Sabres simulation of the NHL expansion draft. The Sabres obviously only have one player that will immediately need to be protected. That happens to be Jeff Skinner as Mm -hmm. he has a no-movement clause with his contract. Because he's just too good. But the Sabres have the option of either protecting the seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie stance. Or they have the option of protecting eight players from their team plus one goaltender. So, Corey... uh, I'll start off here with the players that I'm going to protect from the Sabres. And I think, and as long as you have the same players in mind, you can keep confirming with me. Let's start with the forward group. Jack Eichel, he's obviously the, he's obviously going to be protected as long as he wants to be here. Sure. And, and he should be protected even if he is still on the roster by the time the expansion draft happens or if they have to trade him. Uh, then you look at Sam Reinhardt. I think he's another guy that you obviously should be protecting, although he's a restricted free agent. You still protect the rights. You don't let him go, and you look to try and maybe sign him long-term. I have the Sabres protecting Victor Olofsson. I don't know if you do, Corey. But I do. I think that he is still one of your best goal scorers on the roster. He still has one more year on his deal before he's a restricted free agent again. But I think that, especially since Don Granado's taken over, I think he started to find his game uh, not only at 5-on-5, five five, but he still continues to be a threat on the power play. Yep. The production on the power play hasn't been there much recently, but teams are doing a nice job of shutting down your goal-scoring option in Olofsson, defending him well while trying to force Darlene to maybe set up Sam Reinhardt a little bit better or some of the other players uh, around the ice on the power play. Yeah, generally speaking, I think Victor Olofsson is benefiting from the fact that the rest of the forwards on the team stink. <laughs> so th- the fact that, you know, I've got him here and he's fine is mostly because, like, who else am I going to, uh, you know, protect in his place? Is, am I going to protect C.J. Smith? No. Tobias Ryder? No. Like, no. No, so exactly. The- Olofsson gets to stick around mostly because all these other guys are like, Neh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Looking ahead at the forward group, now things get interesting. You've got those four. You could protect four defensemen, which would cover the four-four-one, or you know the 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 four, the eight overall players plus your one goaltender. But I'm sticking with the seven-three-one, the seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. Uh, I've got Casey Middlestat protected. Sure. I think the turnaround that he's had this year has been a huge step in the right direction for him, and actually being a long-term f- option for the future. Now, could another team come forward and, you know, re-engage with trade talks on a certain player? Maybe Casey Middlestad is a 
top trade piece to get a better player. Certainly, there's a there's a possibility of that, and I'd be completely open to that opportunity for the Sabres if it comes to, to that. But I think at this point, you're protecting Casey Middlestat and looking to get him signed to maybe another bridge contract. Continue that progression forward and that positive progression, and you go from there. Yeah, I... Uh, I'm the thing here is like, who else on the defensive line do you want to keep if you're gonna go beyond the seventh the seven three one format of sure. the thing, right? So there has to be somebody else on the defense yeah. that you want to protect. And honestly, I don't think there really is. No. And if you keep Middlestat, he probably doesn't cost you all that much when you resign him. Right. So right. It's, probably not. It's not an. It's not going to be a super ex, uh, expensive investment. Right. Um. Hopefully they're they're not going to do something stupid like another bridge deal. I'm done with bridge deals, please. Yeah. I know. If you're going to commit to Casey Middlestat, give him three or four, and maybe you you're paying him two. Maybe you're paying him two point five. Sure. And that's a very f- affordable if he's your right. third center. Yeah. If you if you can make it work with the salary cap, that's right. fine. Uh. I might as well jump to the defense real quick. I know that we've still got some forwards to go over, but I think it's I think it's pretty clear who your three defensemen you're protecting are. Darlene, Yoki, Haru, and Borgen. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. If you're protecting Rasmus Ristolainen over Will Borgen, Kevin Adams has just completely lost his mind. Yeah, and it saves you $5 million bucks. Um, He's a bad player, and he won't be around anymore in Rasmus Ristolainen. And on a team that's honestly cash-strapped, like you really, they should have moved him already to free up some cap space. So this is an easy opportunity where you don't even have to do any work. Now the downside is you're not getting anything in return for him. Yeah, but uh, maybe you work. I mean, tough luck. You had your opportunity to do that before, and you couldn't really pull it off, or you weren't even really looking that mm-hmm. hard. So Erasmus Ristolainen hit the bricks. Yep, that's that's fine by me. And even then, the Wool Borgen, he has 17 games required to meet the exposure requirement. So he might not even be eligible. I, I'm so bad with the rules because the, the rules have changed. You know, they haven't really changed, but I just don't remember the rules from the original one. They're right. the same ones. So Will Borgen might not even be eligible for the expansion draft because of the 17 games. But in that, in this case, I would still think he'd be listed as a guy who's exempt. But we'll we'll see we'll see how, kind of where it stands because once the season officially ends, I think we'll get that clearer picture of who's eligible and who's not for protection and or whatever. Yeah, cuz the first honestly the first player I looked for in this list was Dylan Cousins mm-hmm. and he's exempt. Yeah, so he's not exempt. A problem. That's, no, that's good. Great. Yeah. So we have two more forwards that we have to protect. I think the goalie that we're protecting here obviously is Linus Olmark despite him being an unrestricted free agent. You just don't let his rights go. You try to get him re-signed and and personally I think the Sabres will get him re-signed. Why what's wrong with Hutton? Well, well he's unrestricted. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and he's why is 35. he is he why is he just not good? No, I'm I'm not protecting Carter Hutton. Oh, okay. I, I'm just not. No. And I'm not protecting Dustin Tokarski because to each his who own. cares. I, I'm protecting Linus Allmark as, as my goaltender uh, in this certain case. So we have two more forwards that we have left to go. Uh, Corey, you want to give your first forward that you're protecting? Uh, I'm protecting Rasmus Asplund. Me too. Because uh, I think he's uh, he could be a very good like two-way player for you. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you're going to need guys to fill out the bottom of your roster, and honestly, that's where a lot of your turnover is going to be. It's the guys who are down there like um, Grigorenko mm-hmm. and like Cody Eakin, and there's, there's going to be turnover there. Asplund's yeah. a guy to keep. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really like Rasmus Asplund and the turnaround he's had, and, the, and he's become a reliable player uh, in both ends of the ice for the Sabres, and I'm absolutely keeping him. You know what? So now your final player comes. It's going to be Tage Thompson uh, because he's a kid. And like he's still only what twenty three, mm-hmm. like you can, and he's shown some promise. Like, all right, listen, if I'm just 
now looking at Casey Middlestat figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Like, fine. And, and especially because we're at the bottom here and there's a lot of guys who don't matter. If I'm not keeping Tage Thompson, who else do I need? Yeah. Anybody else here? No? All there's right, only fine. There's one player that I'm looking at to protect, and this, this isn't because of a recent trade that happened, but I'm... It's tough because I liked the way Tage Thompson has turned around his game as well. But I almost like the upside more of Anders Bjork in this certain I'll, case. You know what? I'll listen to it. I I, I get that he's going to cost $200,000 more than Tage Thompson on your cap. It's less space that you're going to have in order to re-sign guys or acquire guys or, or whatever. But I really like Anders Bjork's game. He moves his feet all the time. He's reliable in the defensive zone. He's been playing penalty kill under Don Granado. Mm-hmm. He's an offensive threat, as we saw the other night in the game where he scored you know, the two goals and he scored the offensive winner in the shootout. I get it. Tate Thompson is a very skilled offensive guy, but I really do like the skill that Anders Bjork brings to the table. And you know what? If the Sabres have to give Seattle an extra pick to also allow them to keep Tate, keep Tate Thompson and pick someone else, Fine, I don't care. That that's that's completely fine by me if you have to do that. But I really like Anders Bjork, and it's also not because of the Taylor Hall trade, and I get it. People will say, Well, you have to keep Tage Thompson because of the Ryan O'Reilly trade. You don't, no, you don't. want the team to look You no, absolutely I, do not have no, to. No, exactly. And and with the Taylor Hall trade, I don't care. But I like Anders Bjork. I really do. And I was happy when they got Bjork back in the trade because I think he is a decent prospect. I think over the years in Boston and before that when he was playing with Notre Dame, he showed that he's got that nice two-way ability. He can play center. He plays on the wing. Um, But I like him over a guy like Tage Thompson. And, yeah, it's a coin flip. You pick Thompson. I pick Bjork. I like both players. I think they should do whatever they can to keep both of those players. But if you had to pick one to protect over the other, I personally pick Bjork. And the name of the game here is is Seattle dumb enough to take Ristolainen? Yeah. Like so uh, what can I do to what what do I got to do to get you to take this absolutely piece of crap Rasmus Ristolainen and get it off our team <laughs> Seattle? What do I, like I honestly I will give them a draft pick if they pick him. Like it's <laughs> worth it. It's addition by subtraction 100%. Like he is nearly like a player and a half worse than replacement. Like if I if he's not playing twenty minutes a night for me anymore, I'm probably winning three more games a year. Yeah. Like he's gotta go. Yeah. And so if you it just, cost me a third round pick, yeah. Great. I mean, you can't force Seattle to take Rasmus Ristolainen, but like anything that would like, be more enticing to just be like dangling him out there, like you know, right? Hey, look, here's Rasmus Ristolainen. I'm, it's I'm practically for it. insurance fraud. I'm all for like it. I'm trying to burn down my own house so that I can get the insurance money. It's almost what I'm doing here. Well, good exercise, Corey. I appreciate you uh, you jumping in here and and doing this because yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll be doing this much more before the expansion draft actually happens in July. Mm-hmm. We'll take a timeout. We'll step aside. Brian Koziel will join us for the final part of the show. We'll get his thoughts on the Saber season at it as it has been and what's going to happen next year going forward with Don Granado, Jack Eichel, and other options. 803-0551-888-552-550. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Gear and Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's head out to the Western Hotline and let's bring in Brian Koziel, who joins us as he's getting ready for his final pregame show and game of the season for the Buffalo Sabres. He joins us right now on WGR. Brian, thanks again for taking the time before uh, your pregame coverage to join us a little bit and recap the season a bit. Sure, Brayton. It uh, 
I was just talking with Corey during the break. I said the 56-game season, to me, um, I thought initially would feel lightning quick. There were times this year where it felt like a normal 82-game grind, and mm -hmm. then there were times this year where it went fast. Um, I would have liked to have seen this sort of format play where they don't have to play four times a week, where especially after the Sabres had their COVID break, essentially yeah. that's what it turned into. But, mm -hmm. you know, we were discussing how could a – could a shorter schedule in the end be a chance for the league to thrive? And I, I guess I could make the argument for it. I know a lot of, you know, really hardcore hockey fans would say, why would you want less games? And I, my, my thought <laughs> in on this is that if let's just say you, you cut it back from 82 to 64 or something like that, um, you wouldn't have to ever play four games in a week. You could play two to three. So the players are fresher. The players are healthier. And with more time in between games, coaches would be more apt to play their better players more often. Uh, you would see less backup goaltenders. So I think you'd get a chance for the league to have your star players and your best players on the ice more. And that's the one thing that this sport always has had an issue with. And it's just that's just the logistics of the game. Yeah. In the NBA, LeBron James and Steph Curry are on the floor. Essentially, they can be the entire game. Josh Allen is on the game on the on the field at least half of the game. Uh, Major League Baseball, you know, you're coming to bat every three innings and you're in the field and defense every other inning so or every other half inning. So in, in hockey, your star players at times are only playing a quarter, maybe to a third somewhere of a game. And when you play three games and four nights and all that sort of stuff, injuries pile up. I just think the anticipation of games in between would be better. Uh, it's it's hard to, I would think even as a fan, get truly excited when you're playing four games in six days. And if you're a season ticket holder and you have three home games in a week, the excitement and the allure of going down to the arena and making an event out of it, uh, I think lessens. So if you only had two games a week and you had a 64-game season or something along those lines, I think a lot of boxes would get checked. The only thing that is the easiest argument against my argument is that owners would have to give up gate revenue for those missing home games, right. which probably trumps all of my other good arguments, <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, the, the owners have a lot of say, will probably have a lot of say in something like that if, if those discussions ever come up. All right, Brian, so I want to ask you about Don Granado. This has been kind of the discussion we've been having for most of the day, and just your grade on the job that he's done and you know his aspects for the future job for the Sabres and just how seriously do you feel that he should be considered and and the job that he's done overall in the 27-28 games he's going to be the interim head coach of this team? I would probably have to give him close to an A grade. I mean, if you look at what he's had to deal with, the fact that his best player and his captain is out, his number one goaltender has essentially not been reliable for him through the time that he's been the head coach with Linus Allmark. So your best player and your number one goalie hasn't been playing. Uh, but the, it's to me, it's the transformation uh, of these young players that is where he earns this grade of an A from me, from me. Is that Rasmus Dahlin, to me, in the first half of the year, watching him every game and anybody that watched, you had this concern of, have we, have we lost him? Like, for whatever... Uh, superstar status this guy was right. supposed to be playing at. Like, is it now, is it gone? Yeah. Like, have we lost him for sure? Yeah. And the fact that he was able to get Rasmus Dahlin back to playing at, I think, an all-star level or close to it on most nights, uh, to me, is tremendous. You know, and then, of course, after that, with, with Dahlin being the most important piece of these young group, uh, the, the middle stat return, I 100% thought there was no chance that he would be a part of this organization going forward at the NHL level. 
And now he is looking like someone that you can count on at a center position. And, you know, you mentioned some of the other guys when you were just doing your discussion last segment about who to protect. And, you know, Rasmus Asplund, like, honestly, six, you know, four months ago, I would have been like, yeah, whatever. He's an AHL guy that maybe he'll get. No, it looks like he can play in the, in the uh, NHL. Tage Thompson was 100% someone that I would want no use of. Now it looks like maybe there can be a niche role for him somewhere uh, on this team. And uh, even a guy like Henry Yokiharyu, boy, did he look terrible to start the season. We're like, well, maybe that trade didn't work out. And now it looks like with he and Darlene, there's a great pair that you can have together. We found out Sam Reinhardt has versatility. Yes, we know he can thrive under the wing, but now we know he can thrive playing center as well. And Reinhardt going forward, whether it's with Eichel on a wing or whether it's centering his own line, now you know you have some flexibility there. Whether you want him to play as a center or you want him to play as a wing or you can change it as injuries come through as it always does during the course of the season. So uh, the fact that there's probably about four to five players that I thought were just absolutely done or bust or however you want to put it that now have reemerged to see like they're going to be contributing roles, uh, I think that's where Granado gets his highest marks. What do you think is going to happen this offseason in, in terms of Jack Eichel and, and just his future? Because I am I mean, you've probably heard me say this, Brian. You're not trading Jack Eichel, in my opinion, unless he asks for the out, unless he says, I'm done, just get me the heck out of Dodge, and I want a fresh start somewhere else. What are your thoughts on what happens to the Sabres captain this offseason? I think that's a fair assessment. I would not be looking to trade him unless he's the one that made that request and, and made it hard. Um, you set your franchise back now for a long time in the year that you tanked to try to get McDavid in knowing that Eichel was at least the guarantee in that, in that draft. And I wouldn't want to give up on it at age of 24. If he was 27 or 28, I think maybe I would argue the other way, but he's 24. There's still a lot of maturing to go with him as a person and as a leader and as a captain. I hope that maybe some of this time away this year, that that will help in his reemergence as a good leader going forward. And I would like to think that he and Don Granado, if he ends up being the next head coach, can figure out a way to make it work because Granado certainly has figured out a way to make it work with all these other youngsters. So uh, as long as Eichel is, is in, uh, I would have no thought of trying to trade him um, considering how much you really invested in hoping that you would get a player like him. So the argument can be made of, well, look what you could get in return. Sure, but you're not getting the elite player back and you need elite players to win the Stanley cup, in my opinion, in this league right now. So I'm not in yeah. any hurry to get rid of Jack Eichel. Well, real quick, Brian, what, what is the one thing that will stand out to you most about this season? If there was one word that you could use to best describe <laughs> all the things that happened in this short 56 game season, what would that word potentially be? Ooh, well, I, I guess I would, I would say, oh gosh, I, there's almost like two parts. I know this season. is this is a, this is such a heavy question because yeah, the, as the you Kruger, mentioned, yeah. the the Kruger time and going into COVID time, um, was, I guess I would say, if I could if I could hyphenate the word embarrassing, frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> maybe sure. making we'll, up a we'll word there. It. We'll allow it. There's 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 embarrassing on the ice. And frustrating the fact that COVID hit the Sabres. We knew that it was going to hit teams. It hit the Sabres hard. Uh, in that sense, you know, you can't blame the Sabres for that with how the league handled that situation when New Jersey played Buffalo and all that. So together, the front half of that year uh, was tough. And I'll use the word that I used on, on the air to describe 
the kind of sense I'm getting now in these in this last month, and that's invigorating. I'm more invigorated now to watch this team. It doesn't mean that they're on their way to being a playoff team, but I'm a little bit more invigorated and more excited to see what is to come. And I guess, you know, for considering how much negativity that there's been around this franchise here for a while, I guess you take it. In the NHL, to miss the playoffs for a decade, to me, is embarrassing. It yeah. really is. Because mm-hmm. it's so easy to make the playoffs with half the teams making it every year. And they year. haven't even been close to making it in those 10 years. That's right. It's not even like, well, they missed out by a few points. Or, I mean, we mock the, the Bottrell thought of the meaningful games in March thing that he mm-hmm. said. My goodness, like... Even give us that, and we still haven't yeah. gotten anything close to that. Well, Brian, feel free to give a quick uh, tease as to what's coming up on the pregame show because uh, it seems like you've got an eventful pregame show coming up. Yeah, it should be good. We've got uh, Paul Hamilton, Pat Malacaro, Dan Dunleavy, and myself. The four of us going to take you through a roundtable. Uh, what went right, if there was anything, what went wrong, and uh, what to do next, and obviously more on kind of what you've been talking about. Is Don Granato the guy to kind of lead the way? So we'll have all that coming up and, and some of our other normal pregame features as well. But to start with here, coming up just after 2 o'clock, uh, the four of us with our end-of-season roundtable. Well, Brian, thanks again for taking the time to join me here and uh, have fun over the next few hours in the uh, final game of the regular season for the Sabres. Thank you, Brayton. Will do. Brian Koziel joining us on the Western Hotline. He's coming up next with Sabres pregame coverage. The Paul William Belts pregame show starting next. Dan Dunleavy, Paul Hamilton, Pat Malacaro going to join Brian for a roundtable discussion. Not only that, Sabres, Penguins, 3 o'clock faceoff right here on WGR. Rick Jenneret, Rob Ray on the call. Final game of the regular season. Tune in and uh, and enjoy hockey while it's going to last here for the next few hours. And then we'll uh, we'll go through the painstaking process of another offseason of uh, what's happening next year with the Sabres as they try to turn things around going forward in the long term. Thanks again for everybody tuning in, interacting on the show today. Your phone calls, your tweets, your text. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary. Nate's coming back next week. And uh, I'll be back on with Howard and Jeremy coming up on Monday morning. Thanks again, everybody. Sabres pregame coverage coming up next right here on WGR.